Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast, where we talk each week with event professionals about how they plan, promote and run their events. Whether you're running small meetups or large conferences, exhibitions and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. The podcast is sponsored by Events Frame. Uh, I've been involved in Events Frame and we developed this ticketing system after running 300 plus events with our company Apps Events. And we had an endless search for an amazing and cost-effective ticketing system. We tried everything and we designed Events Frame to be super easy to use with the best discount options out there. You can embed tickets in your site or use our simple event site builder. And just launching in December, we have, we have amazing email integrations. We integrate with Drip, MailTrim, MailChimp, Zapier, MailerLite, Aweber, Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, and many, many more. And we're really flexible. If you need an integration and you're a customer, we'll, we'll build an integration just for you. So head on over to eventsframe.com for a free trial. And if you send me an email at dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com, with the subject line podcast, I'll give you a special discount code. So on to today's interview. This was a really fascinating interview. It was by a guy called Jeff Berwick, who is pretty famous online. Jeff is an anarchist, um, and he's built a conference in Acapulco, Mexico, called Anarchapulco, which is pretty funny. And in only four years, he had 60 people come to the first event. And in 2018, he had 4,500 people. So he's grown this to be a real powerhouse. He's got a lot of great information. Jeff's got a really popular YouTube channel, a popular podcast. We talk a lot about how he uses these marketing channels uh, to build a great event. And also how he keeps his ticket price low, how, how he really wants to maximize the number of attendees and how he wants to give the most amazing experience ever. Uh, so really tons of great information. If you're looking to run your first conference and want to grow it quickly, this is the interview to you. So on to the interview with Jeff. Hi, so welcome to the events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to, to Jeff Berwick. How do you say your last name, Jeff? Is it Berwick or is it right? Well, if you ask my great-grandmother, it's Berwick. Berwick. Uh, from Scotland, but uh, I just say Berwick. So I came across Jeff. You know how it goes on when you're on iTunes and you listen to a podcast and then you recommend someone else and then you recommend another one. And you kind of go down a rabbit hole. And somewhere along the line, I ended up listening to Anacast, which is Jeff's podcast. And it was fascinating for me. You know, there's all kinds of different people, kind of crypto people. People had all kinds of different opinions. So really, you know, really enjoyed listening to it. And then I saw Jeff at a conference, which is called Anarchapulco. And that was what really got my attention as, as, as someone who's into running events and how people do it. And, and Jeff really grew this conference in a, in a really short amount of time. It, it's a, a conference for kind of libertarians and anarcho-capitalists. It's, it's held in Acapulco, Mexico. So I'd love to get into a bit of, of your background, Jeff, and, and how you did the conference. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. The, the conference is really interesting because it really started as just a crazy idea. And I think a lot of businesses sort of start off that way. And as you mentioned, I had a podcast called Anarchast, and uh, it talks about anarchy, which most people don't understand, but it, it, it's not the thing about breaking windows well, and rioting. Let, yeah, and let, let's start off with that. Because, <laughs> yeah, can you clarify like, what it is? Because people are going to imagine you're the guy who's got a hooded mask on and, you know, like attacking policemen and stuff. Like, Yeah, that's what the uh, mainstream media wants you to think it is, because they don't want people to actually know what it is. Because if they did, uh, the government wouldn't be around much longer, and there certainly wouldn't be all this taxation that would 
wouldn't be central banks, all the things that really ruin things and destroy most people's lives uh, would kind of go away if people kind of understood that they own themselves. So the word anarchy is a Greek word and it just means an without archy ruler. And so if you don't believe there should be rulers, that you also don't believe that people should be slaves. If people have a ruler, then they are a slave. So I'm actually anti-slavery. Basically what it, it really means is that I, I don't believe that any human should be owned by any anyone else without their permission. And, and yeah. when you go down the rabbit hole and you start thinking about how everything in the world works, you start to realize that would mean that uh, governments are totally, uh, they should not exist. And and that's essentially the case. They, they basically enslave people and they say, oh, you owe us half the money you make every year. And if you want to build a house, you need to get our permission. If you want to drive a car, you need our permission. So they have actually got everyone, the entire world, mostly enslaved. So that's the meaning of the word anarchy. And so I started my podcast called Anarchast in 2011, I think. And uh, when I first started, a lot of people said I was crazy. They're, they said, you can't just talk about anarchy. Like we understand what it means, but most people don't. And I was like, well, that's why we need this podcast. Yeah. So I started it up. The podcast has done fairly well. I just checked today. It has 40,000 subscribers. It's not nothing massive. It's not the Joe Rogan or anything like that. And it's because we don't talk about like, you know, mainstream sort of things. I'm not talking about the Kardashians or whatever. And yeah. so we're not going to get that kind of audience. Uh, but, uh, you know, it has a fairly decent size and uh, it grew over time. It started off very small. It took years for it to really sort of catch on. And it was about five years ago that I, I actually was complaining because I went to some freedom so-called freedom conferences in the U.S., things like uh, there's one called Freedom Fest, for example, and I was complaining about it, saying, why do they even have it in the U.S.? It's like one of the least free countries in the world. You can't smoke anywhere. You can't drink anywhere. There's closing times. The cops are everywhere, and they're trying to, like, extort you and kidnap you. I was complaining about it, and someone just wrote to me. It's kind of interesting how it happened. And he said, why don't you, uh, you spend a lot of time down there in Acapulco, Mexico. Uh, Why don't you throw your own freedom conference down there? And I just laughed, and I said, well, first of all, there's not many people who really even believe in freedom anymore and anarchy is like it's so misunderstood we have a very small podcast here and and secondly Acapulco is also known in the mainstream media news as one of the most dangerous places in yeah, the world. It's yeah. not, and, and but, but that's how people think of it. Sure. So, yeah, I'm going to throw this crazy anarchist conference about crazy rioting people and throwing bombs <laughs> in the most dangerous city in the world, supposedly. And uh, so I just kind of laughed about it. But as an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. What I've always found is, you know, if you have an idea and if, if sort of like you, you think it could have a chance to work, just try it. So, yeah. so that's what I did. So I said, okay, well, uh, I actually asked someone, I said, uh, well, what, what should be the name of the conference? And I, I actually offered a half a Bitcoin reward uh, back, back then, five years ago. I think it was around 30, 100 bucks or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And so I offered like $50 at the time in Bitcoin. It's now like $3,000. Yeah. Uh, but um, and a guy came up and he said, uh, Anarchapoco. And I, I just laughed. I said, that's like the craziest, stupidest name. It, it's hard to pronounce. Yeah. But there was something about it. And I was like, you know, you know, there's like, uh, here's one thing for conference people. Uh, if you're going to do something, do something different, right? So yes. that's why events like Lollapalooza or, you know, there's no events called like really great freedom conference yeah, that are yeah, awesome. Yeah. It has to have some sort of style to it or something, sure, right? Yeah. So, so I thought, okay, that's the craziest name. This is the craziest idea. Why not? So I just posted it on like Facebook. I have quite a few Facebook followers because of my podcast and things like that. Really, we had less than, I think it was about 60 people signed up for it. Right. And about a week before the event. And did, and you, I was, did you have a venue booked? Had you booked a hotel? And did you had you done much preparation? You got some speakers, I presume? Yeah, very little preparation. I actually didn't think it was going to happen. Right. Um, 
but it was about a, a couple of weeks before the event and 60 people had signed up. So I'm like, okay, so 60 people are coming here. So I have to make sure we do something. Yeah. I had done a little bit of research and here in Acapulco, it's very easy to get hotels for basically free uh, if you're just bringing people to their hotel. So yeah. the costs are excellent. Uh, we had at the Copacabana Hotel here in Acapulco, very small little sort of spring break type hotel, very yeah. cheap. Right before the conference, about a day or two before, all of a sudden another like almost 100 people signed up. And I was really? like, oh, this has gone from like, kind of like an embarrassing failure to not too bad. And it was like 150 people the first year. We weren't expecting it. We didn't really prepare for it. We didn't have much set up. And, and because the people believe so much in what we were doing, basically the audience ran the conference. So, so right. one of the girls from the audience became the MC. Uh, right. One of the guys in the audience knew uh, about speakers and microphones and stuff. He started setting it all up. Yeah, so yeah. it was like that. And at the end of the conference, and it was actually, you know, it was really, you know, as anyone who runs conferences knows, it's really exciting exhausting and yeah. difficult thing to do. And at the end of it, I was just exhausted. And we had a little Q&A at the end and someone asked, hey, are you going to do this again next year? And my immediate response was, I haven't even thought about that. I didn't even know if anyone was going to come this year. And yeah, it was yeah. so hard to do. I'm not sure I want to do it again. And almost the entire audience basically implored me. They said, you have to do it again. This was the best conference we've ever gone to. That's amazing. Uh, they, they just had a great time because it was so organic and just so chaotic. And, and you know, anarchists are okay with a bit of chaos and stuff like that. Yeah. That. So sorry, about sorry, two sorry. months later, I I, um, I decided, okay, let's try it again. And the next year, we had about 400 people. So we more than doubled again next year. And and from that point forward, we just continued on. And it's actually doubled every year since. Wow. So, so how many are you expecting in 2019? What's your... Yeah. So the second year was about 400. Yeah. The third year was 800. Last year, which are this year, 2018, was about 1,500. So like wow. I said, it's been about a, a little over a double every single year. So we expect we've already sold more than half of the tickets already, and we're, we're capping it at 3,000, so another double for 2019, wow. and we expect to sell it out based on the uh, sales so far. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been just uh, a doubling every year. That's a pretty good for, for most things. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's interesting what you said about, you know, running conferences in the U.S. and how kind of unfree it is. Like, the guy I was talking to last week, he runs a conference for digital nomads, and he does one in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and one in Vegas. And we were talking, I, I've run events in Vegas as well, and it's it's crazy to run an event there, because it's, it's union-controlled. Everything, uh, like, right. like, if you work, do a conference in Thailand, I'm sure Mexico is the same. You, you can negotiate with a venue and say, yeah, we want this, we want this, and they'll do a kind of a deal, and they'll be flexible. If you're in a conference in Vegas, you can't even unplug something because you know someone from the hotel has to has to do it. Like every little thing, if you want to get an extra cable, that's an extra hundred dollars. Like every little thing is is charged. It, it seems like one of the worst places in the world, and and, it, and it, Vegas is probably the biggest conference venue on the planet as well, which is crazy to me. Yeah, Vegas has a lot of uh, obvious benefits. It's so easy to get there. Yes. There's flights from all over the world, direct flights. They have the hotel infrastructure to host like tens or hundreds of thousands of people. They do it all the time, so they're yep. used to it. The downside is that, yeah, like you pointed out, you're going to be signing these giant contracts, these huge deposits, these all these rules and regulations. Just to give you an example, we actually bought out the entire Princess Hotel in Acapulco for 2019. It's a thousand-room hotel, and we bought it out. We rented out. We paid in advance for all the rooms because wow. we knew we were going to sell out all the rooms, and we, we ended up selling the rooms ourselves. When we walked in and we said, okay, we want to buy out the hotel next year. And they said, do you know what you can do if you buy out the entire hotel? And, and we were like, no, what? And uh, they were like, 
you could pile a pile of cocaine in the lobby as high as the, as the ceiling if you want, like anything you want. And we yeah. went, oh, that's pretty good. And, <laughs> you, you know, we've just started to announce that we're not going to have a pile of cocaine in the lobby, no. just so people know, but we will have uh, nude pools. We'll have all kinds of just like things you just can't do in places like the U.S. And that was the original reason that we did it outside of the U.S. is because we knew First of all, even just having an anarchist conference, we'd probably have all kinds of government involvement and CIA checking us out and, and probably yeah. be banned from even doing it. And then secondly, all the rules and regulations. So that's actually been the real reason that Anarchapoco has really taken off is because basically for one week here in Acapulco, it's complete anarchy. You can do yeah. basically anything you want as long as you don't hurt anyone else. Yeah. And what's interesting as well is like, as well as all the kind of the craziness, you're also doing a, a family a family retreat. I, I saw because I've just had a baby recently, so that's something I was looking at. So you've got a whole family event in parallel, or is it just after the, the event? I think, isn't it? Uh, it actually runs throughout the entire. Oh, it runs event. throughout the whole event. Cool. Yeah, there's going to be things before and after. It's called a, a freedom family camp. We talk yeah. about unschooling, homeschooling, peaceful parenting, all sorts of ways. Basically, uh, the the conference has turned into more than just anarchy. It's it's more about getting away from all the systems that have been set up for us and unchaining yourselves. And yeah. and that's that's actually the the tagline for 2019 is unchain yourself. I forget the exact tagline. Life unchained, <laughs> I, I think it is. Life unchained. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. It is. yeah. I'll help you out, Jeff. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm doing so many things, but uh, yeah. Just, you know, at least rethinking everything we've been doing. So, yeah, yep. we, I mentioned we will have like a nude pool, uh, but that's, you know, segregated. So if you don't yep. want to go to it, you don't have to. And then there's sure. also family camps talking about unschooling in a completely different part of the hotel, obviously. Yeah. And and uh, basically the entire concept is just uh, allowing people to rethink and, re, uh, and do things the way that they feel is the right way to do them and to not be, uh, you know, scared or afraid to try to do different things. And, and so many of these things, if you looked into peaceful parenting or homeschooling or unschooling, it's so much better than the current systems sure. of government indoctrination camps for 12 years, of forcing kids just to memorize information and, yeah. and, and teaching them how to obey authority and all these sort of things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's so many different aspects to it all uh, that for, for one week in Acapulco, it's it's basically, there, there's not going to be, I actually can't tell you some of the things we're going to be doing. That's how, how many insane things we're going to be doing. Some of them will be like really shocking to some people, but in good ways and some for some, some bad ways possibly. Like we're just going to be completely free for one week and we're going to let most, people do whatever they want for a that's week. The thing. I, I but think, the one rule is just don't hurt anyone and, you know, don't cause problems for anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I think your audience is is like the least easily offended audience on the planet, you know, so you'd have to do something pretty <laughs> bad to offend some people, I think, who would, who would come to that event. Do, do you yeah, think this, this whole movement is, is do, you think there's, do you think there's a rise now? Do you think like... It's interesting when you look at like U.S. politics now. There's this huge polarization, and it's like pick a team. You know, you you pick the left or you you pick the right, and and I think that's maybe what's driving kind of because people are thinking it's got to be another way. I've, I'm an individual. I maybe I agree with Republicans on this thing. I agree with the Democrats on this thing. I don't agree with any of them on on, on ten different things. You know, maybe this, the polarization is driving people to be more individual, and this kind of movement's increasing. I don't know what you think about it. Oh, absolutely. This uh, statism, we call it, basically just the state, the government, um, and the way they've set it up and they put in this democracy thing as though democracy is a really great thing. Democracy yeah. is just mob rule. If 51% if of people decide they want to kill the other 49%, that's completely fine in a democracy. It's a it's a heinous system of slavery, in, in my opinion. But of course, they've been marketing for decades and decades. And now that's why the US has to bomb all these countries is to give them democracy. Yeah. Uh, it's not the case, of course, they're taking over the natural resources 
resources and just taking over those areas. And, and it's, it's heinous and horrible and, and all those sort of things. But people, yeah, they're totally waking up. Uh, this is a very interesting time in human history. Uh, thanks to the Internet, uh, people have the opportunity to get access to information they couldn't get before. Before yeah. the Internet, the only way people got information, they'd go to the government schools and they'd teach them about how great the presidents are and how lucky they are to be in this free country where they have to ask for permission to do everything and yeah, they get yeah. extorted all the time. And uh, then they'd go home and they'd turn on the television programming, which is run by the same people who run the government behind the scenes. And it's just propaganda and they're just putting out propaganda constantly. So up until about 10, 20 years ago, most people just didn't have any way to get access to real information. And now they do. And it's changing everything. And, and people are starting to realize, yeah, this is just what they do. They have this left, right puppet game. And they'll say, oh, this left guy, he's really bad. Uh, so we better vote for the right guy. And then the right guy, they'll go, oh, he's so bad. We better vote for the left guy. They're yeah. both bad. They're both run by the same people. Nothing changes. I haven't seen any major change in the U.S. between go, go all the way back like 50 years Years, but just, you know, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George Bush, Donald Trump. What's changed? There's still massive taxation. There's still the central banks inflating the money supply. There's still a massive prison population. There's still a massive war state. Yeah. So this is just how they keep the people kind of like constantly fighting and divisive and and thinking that the system's going to fix it if they just vote a little bit harder. Yeah. And what people are realizing is, is that this whole system's a scam. And that's really a lot of the stuff that we talk about. And for entrepreneurs, and people running events out there. I, I said this a little bit earlier, but it's really the case. Don't be afraid to try something different yeah. or to especially speak your truth. If you don't believe in anything I'm saying, don't go start an anarchist conference, obviously. Yeah. But it, but if you believe something that's a little outside the mainstream and you're an event organizer or you want to have events, don't be afraid at all to say how you feel. And what you will find, especially with the internet, is there's billions of people on the internet. So even if you yeah. have the craziest idea, even if you believe that colors are all wrong, black is white and white <laughs> is black, if, the, if you believe that, like you truly believe that, and you're like so passionate, you've done all the research, you're like, look, they've got the colors all wrong. I'm just, you know, making this yeah, up yeah. as an example. But even if that's the case, post that up somewhere, you'll find thousands of people from around the world who've been thinking the same thing yeah. and, and they will gravitate towards it. The biggest mistake that entrepreneurs and, and I would say as a person who's run events now for five years make is trying to fit into the mainstream narrative and yeah. trying not to be too extreme or to say things that might shock some people. Yeah. Uh, th that's how you really get something big going. Yes. That's fascinating. Now, how I'm really fascinated by it because that growth is, is amazing, you know. And it seems like obviously you talked about you had a Facebook group and you had the podcast with like 50,000 listeners. Like, what else did you do in terms of marketing? I mean, was it, was it literally just word of mouth? Or, I mean, I presume as it got bigger, you put a bit more strategy into it, how you, how you actually grew, grew the audience? Yeah, well, I've had, I have a background in uh, being an entrepreneur, as I mentioned. So I started yeah. an internet company in Canada in the 1990s called stockhouse.com. And it's yeah. still the largest financial website in, in Canada. It was worth hundreds of millions of dollars at the peak of the tech bubble. And then it all collapsed, which caused me to have to look into how the financial system worked. And once right. I found that out... I then started the Dollar Vigilante, which in 2010, which talked about how the financial monetary system works and how it's all a scam. 
And uh, that grew quite quickly. And actually, even back in the 90s with Stockhouse, it grew quite quickly. And the reason it grew quite a bit is we had something that was quite leading edge. It was very unheard of to have, which was just message boards on our stock site. And we we called them, again, try to find a good name. It's always good to find a good name. They'll just call them the, 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 the investor message board or something right. like that. So I came up with a good name for it called Bull Boards, you know, Bull and Bear and that sort of thing. And, yep. and the name caught on and people started talking on it. And uh, basically what when you look at what I was really trying to do, I was trying to give the individual investor access to the information that the brokers always get, but they never get through the media by uh, by actually communicating with each other. So, you know, I offered something like that. And what I what I found is when you offer something that that gives people some value like that and the dollar vigilante is similar, I, I started waking people up. They all of a sudden went, oh, that's how the financial system works. And wow, I didn't realize that. And they, they tell their friends and they tell yeah. their friends. Now, of course, marketing is very important. So you want to be out there as much as possible. I even uh, I still to this day almost write daily blogs. Those are really uh, important if you're into marketing, especially events and stuff like that. You just want to keep getting your information out there so that people it's almost like a soap opera to an extent. Uh, My grandma used to watch soap operas and I'd always be like, why are you watching these? But it's this ongoing story that you kind of get a little bit addicted to. You kind of go, oh, I want to hear what they have to say about this today or that today. And they kind of get used to it. Uh, So that's another thing when it comes to marketing is just make sure you just, if you're going to be doing this line of work, Make sure you're getting out there regularly. And again, like I said, make sure you're saying something that's different. Uh, because what, you know, if you're going to start a conference about uh, basket weaving and it's just like, hey, this is just – there's nothing new here. We're just going to have a conference on basket weaving. People be yeah. like, well, there's nothing new there. Why would I go? You have yeah, to yeah. at least be doing something different or cutting edge or bringing in different opinions or, or that sort of a thing. It's interesting. That's one thing I can see you're really good at because obviously this podcast, normally I just record the audio, but you were like, why don't we record a video? I'll put it on my YouTube channel. So like you're straight away thinking, this is another piece of content. I've got another piece of content. It's obviously my audience might consider video they wouldn't normally. So like I can see you're, you're, you're thinking straight away, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maximize this. If you're going to talk to me for 30 minutes, you're going to get the maximum exposure from it, which, which is, you know, it's cool. You're, you're, you're obviously, you've got the publicity thing down, which is cool. Yeah, and it's it's not that hard. It's but people have just had, haven't really thought about it too much. So, yeah. like you said, you have an audio podcast, and I'm like, well, I'm going to record the video anyway. I'm going to put it up on all my video channels, and not just YouTube, but DTube and BitChute and everywhere. Yeah. And I don't actually do it myself. I have people do that, but <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you know, so it's like a two in one, and it also goes on the audio. I think we're on um, all the podcast sort of audio channels yeah. and all that. Some people prefer audio. Some people prefer video. I actually personally, I prefer video. Yeah. Um, you know, some people more visual some people are more audio so why not have both especially yeah. if you're going to be doing it and you're a decent looking guy and you've got a nice <laughs> setup there and a nice camera and why not just turn that camera on throw it up on youtube you're going to like double the potential size of your audience just like that it's a good idea i think i'm going to do it i think gonna, yeah it's uh you should do a consulting service jeff <laughs> well this what is a, it i'm doing it for free 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 consulting right here well, yeah exactly well that's the thing i think it's if you're going to do content you've got to give people value haven't you like you can't just do content just promoting your event it's like if no. you tell, you've got to, if you've got to give someone some information, if they get value, they're going to be 10 times more likely to, to come to your event. Yeah. And uh, another thing I could throw out there and this might, you know, some people might kind of laugh at this cause they know my content. Um, but it really is the case. And a lot of people are scared to ask for the business a little bit. And this is yeah. a bit of a sales sort of an approach. And so I know a lot of people and they put out a ton of great content. Uh, for example, like Luke Rudowski of we are change puts out amazing content. And I met him a few years ago and I'm like, 
you know, what hotel you're staying at? It's like, I can't afford a hotel. I'm staying at a hostel. I'm like, you have like 800,000 YouTube subscribers. You're like famous the worldwide. And he's like, yeah, but I I just don't make any money. And I'm like, well, you you never ask people to donate to your site. So you've never even asked. And he's like, well, I feel bad about it. It's like, don't feel bad about it. You're putting out tons of content that people love. Don't feel bad about at the end of it, throwing in some sort of product uh, that will help you out and also help them out or even just some sort of donation or whatever it is. Like, don't be afraid to ask. So I was actually with him at a Bilderberg conference, uh, not attending. We were obviously uh, reporting on it. (laughs) And uh, and it was actually uh, some we're over there near where you are in, in Czech Republic. I think we went through Prague on our way to uh, Germany, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it and, was uh, Kolovivari or something like that near the, towards Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went to a few. There was one in Austria, one in uh, – anyway, I've been to a number of them. Uh, but I remember when I first told Luke and I said, Luke, you're like you're like a hero of mine. He was one of the first people who woke me up to what happened on 9-11 and that sort of stuff. And so many people consider him a hero. And I was like, you should be making at least some money from all this stuff you're doing. And he told me how bad he felt. I said, Luke, at the end of your video today, just let people know that they can donate if they found this video, if they find your content good. And he was like, okay, I'll try it, but I feel bad about it. I'm like, don't feel bad about it, just do it. Like, there's nothing to feel bad about. It's just a transfer of value. He's offering, he's been doing videos for like 20 years, working his butt off. He gets thrown in jail and beat up all the time doing the videos. I'm like, don't feel bad about asking people if they want to give you some value back. So we were sitting there in uh, Germany or Austria and we were at a restaurant and I still remember his face. Uh, He got a text on his phone and he looked at it and he was like shocked and he looks over at me and it was right after he just put the video live where he asked for a donation. He goes, Someone just anonymously sent me a thousand dollars in Bitcoin. I was like, because wow. you asked, you know, yeah, like, yeah. so, so for all the people out there, when you're putting out content, uh, as you mentioned, it has to be good content. It has to be something that people find valuable yeah. uh, and they want to read it for whatever reason, but don't feel bad about throwing in some sort of a plug for something you're doing, an event or yeah. a product. Don't feel bad at all about that. And, and uh, a lot of people, if they know my work for 10 years now, I've been doing Dollar Vigilante and very few blogs I write don't have some sort of a plug for something I'm doing. And and some people kind of get turned off by it. They're like, oh, it seems like you're just a salesman. It's like, well, yeah, you can get turned off by it, but I also do very well. I actually, the the company's grown incredibly, even things like Anarchapoco. I, 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 you know, half my blogs on Dollar Vigilante, now I talk about Anarchapoco. Now there's going to be 3,000 people there next year. So, you know, it's not like I'm ripping people off by letting them know about great things that I'm offering. So don't, that's another thing is don't feel bad about, you know, First of all, put out the content, get people into your content, but don't feel bad about mentioning your, your products in the content. Sure, because almost nobody will care. And if they don't want to purchase, they just don't purchase. You know? That's yeah. it. But, but, it may, but maybe they'll recommend... Right at the end, just so you know. Yeah. So I'll write like a really long article, which would be really good, you know, like, you know, not, not patting myself on my back, yeah. but I put out a lot of really good stuff and it'll be really well-researched. I'll often spend hours on it or even sometimes days. And right at the end, I just put in a little thing about what I'm doing. You know, it's something that's simple as that but and and also even if somebody doesn't purchase maybe they'll tell two friends they'll start listening and maybe they will do you know like it's like a referral is as good as a purchase you know in some in some cases as well now i'm really fascinated about the conference like what kind of team do you have at this point do you have volunteers have you got any virtual assistants do you have people on the ground like what's what's the team behind this event at this because you must have a few people now given given how big it's got 
Yeah, we definitely do. But it was only this year that we really put together a real team. So uh, the first year I ran it and and I was I, I, sh I shouldn't run anything, really. I'm not the kind of person who should run anything. Uh, I'm not detail oriented. I'm mostly drinking most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a mess. And actually, a guy came up to me. And this is also how things work, right? So I'm at our first conference. I'm drinking a lot. It's pretty chaotic. It's a big mess. But people seem to love it anyway. Yeah. And um at the end of the conference, this guy came up. His name was Nathan Freeman. And he said, you know, you need someone to run this for you. And I was like, you're telling me. I'm like, Who, who's going to run it for me? Like, we only have 150 people. It's not like I can pay someone a lot of money to run it. And he's like, well, I love the conference. I, I'll run it for you next year. Yeah. And I was like, deal. <laughs> and uh, he actually ran it for the last three years. Wow. And uh, But he's got his own business, a very large uh, software company, and he's constantly busy. So this was like sort of his side helping out sort of a thing for yeah. the last three years. But this year, we were only expecting maybe about 1,000 people, and we ended up with over 1,500 people. Uh, we, we thought it could have been as low as like 600 or 700, but rate, the crypto market caught on around that time and went up to 1,500 like overnight. We weren't ready for it at all. We had no team. And again, luckily, thanks to the people that we knew and the people who were involved and a lot of people chipped in, we, we got it done and it wasn't a disaster. And I, in fact, most people said it was the best conference they've ever been to. But if you saw what happened behind the scenes, it was a mess. It's it all, was yeah, like, yeah, sure. it was chaos. And so this year I said, okay, uh, let's bring in someone who really knows what they're doing. We're, we're expecting 3,000 people next year. I want it to run really well. Uh, we brought in a woman named Jessica Kill who's run numerous large events. She's thrown like, you know, things as, you know, involved with the Grammy Awards and stuff like right. that, like major, major. She's worked in Hollywood for a number of years and, and she's thrown like things with all the celebrities and all that sort of stuff. So she's done this before and she was actually just down here all week and uh, we have uh, her and another full-time person who's Dana Martin, who's the unschooling a uh, uh, person who's uh, famous for unschooling across the world. So she's actually kind of our on the ground kind of person. Jessica's sort of like the control management sort of a person. Yeah. And then uh, I could almost send you a photo of it. I couldn't believe it myself. I wasn't at the meeting. There was about 30 people around this big boardroom all week talking about an Archibocco. Of course, some of them were from the hotels. Some were outside consultants and, and, and contractors, and some people were. But we also had about at least 10 of our own people who are working with the conference now, all planning this conference. So, yeah, we, we're, we've gone from no planning to uh, extreme planning. And I think it's important because once you get up to into the thousands, you can't just be doing no. it off the seat of your pants anymore. And what you did sounds genius because you've, you've seems like you've deliberately tried to get yourself out of it. The fact that there was 30 people and you were not at the meeting, you know, I mean, you, you probably, I mean, you, you could have gone there and got involved, but you probably made a decision. Look, it's got to this point. It's better they run it without me. Jessica, what her name is, she can run it, you know? Well, as an entrepreneur, uh, I'm a true entrepreneur in the sense, and I said this earlier, that I should never be the CEO of a company. Uh, I'm not the guy who comes in from nine to five and watches everything and makes sure everything's going well. I come up with the ideas, I get it going, and then I try to find people who can, who are good at those sort of things yeah. to run it for me. So uh, that's that's the case with Anarchapoco. And of course, I did go and I meet, met with everyone for dinner and stuff like that. But I do try to find just the right people to run things and yeah. have the trust and faith in them to do a good job and then I just try to let them do their own thing and you know I'm very happy not to have to be in an eight-hour yeah. meeting every day <laughs> talking about details I just say you know if there's something you have questions or if you know let me know give me an update of what, what you decided today and I'll let you know if I've, I have a few problems with any of those things or I've had some ideas but you know that's that's really as an entrepreneur what you really want to get to is a yep. point where you're not managing everything Sure. Now, I noticed in how you've done the event in the past, I'm not sure what you're doing next year, but you had a bunch of separate like 
pre-conferences and post-conferences. You had CryptoPolka, I think it was called. You had a kind of a wellness thing. Like, how have you found that? Like, are you finding that's more hassles, having a lot of different tickets for these things? Do you think it's easy to have all-inclusive, or do you think this it's better to offer people options who want to take do specific things? What's what's your thought on how you're going to do this going forward and, and how well it's worked? Yeah, um, a great question, because that's what we had to decide this year. And so, as you mentioned, we had all these sort of add-ons last year. So CryptoPoco was a one-day sort of a thing on, just on cryptocurrency, and we sold the tickets just for that if you wanted to go for that. We had a health and wellness thing before the conference for a number of days where you can do all kinds of alternative therapies and healing and, and all these sort of a things. And we sold separate tickets for that. And I'm kind of like, uh, I like simplicity myself personally. I said, you know, we got so many things going on. Why don't we just include it all this year? Uh, we'll raise the price a bit. I think we were like around 300 or 350 last year, and now we're around 450, 500 this still year. Still cheap. It's still a cheap conference. Well, that's another thing too. Has always been a focus of mine. Is first of all. To get to Acapulco for most places in the world is not easy. There's hardly any direct flights from anywhere outside of Mexico. So people are going to have to take at least two flights to get here. And I've, I've seen people take four or five flights to get here from Australia or whatever. It's going to cost them a fair amount of money to get here. And we have a worldwide audience. Like I see this ticket sales come in sometimes. And it's a different country every single sales. Yeah, Italy, yeah. Japan, Australia, Saudi Arabia is like, whoa. So I know people are spending a lot of money to get here. My main goal of this entire thing is not to make a lot of money. My main goal is to get people to understand anarchy and grow this movement. That's my main goal. So there's lots of other conferences that charge double what we charge and offer one-tenth of what we offer. Uh, But I want to – and this is another thing as an entrepreneur. I always try to offer the best value I can uh, possible. And what I always find is that grows your business so much faster. So I could have said, okay, it's $800 a ticket, and then we'll have half the size of the audience, and it won't grow very much, and it won't have all this buzz that it's got right now. You know, price point's really important. And – as I mentioned, like the, the I, if you talk to Nathan, who used to run the conference, or Jessica now, I'm always like, are we making any money? And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, spend it. Let's make the conference better. Like, I don't want to make a lot of money. I want this thing to be the best, coolest conference in the world. And yeah. I think in 2019, I can pretty much guarantee this. When people find out what we did and and all the things that are there, and we haven't even announced about 80% of them yet, and we're not even going to announce some of them. They're that sort of top secret. Yeah. Uh, people will go. That was the probably the most insane conference I've ever heard of, and yeah. and the best conference. Like not not insane in like oh it's crazy. We were running for our lives. In like whoa, I've never had an experience like that ever in my life. It's interesting because I think like one thing you you're, you're obviously doing well is like a lot of people underestimate how important the social events are for a conference. And for me, it's, it's more important mm-hmm. than, than, the, than the content. Getting people yeah. to meet, you know, I've got kind of lifetime friends I've met from, from running events and attending events, you know. And I think people forget about how important that is. If you do great parties and great sort of socializing in a day, you can have some average sessions because not every session is going to be amazing. It's not going to suit every person. It's just not possible. You know, some speakers don't hit the note. Sometimes it's not right for you, but but if people have a good time, like I find they always want to come back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I go. I, I speak at a lot of conferences, so I see all the different types of conferences. And some of them, it's like you go in and it's like a boardroom, like cl- yeah. classroom seating. And right. everyone's just like kind of like looking around dazed and confused. And the speaker come up and, you know, sometimes it's a decent speaker. But sometimes he's really boring, too. And yeah. you get out and there's like some coffee out there and people are just like, well, I'm just trying to keep away. It's yeah. like, you know, but then you go to some and, and they understand a bit of the social aspect. And and I've actually said this about an archipelago since day one. I still say it. The main benefit, the main thing that you get from coming to an archipelago is you get to hang out with 
thousands of other amazing people uh, on the beach in Mexico for a number of days, even up to a week or longer. And yeah. everyone says that. The people say that conference is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. I, all the speakers, not maybe not all, but most of the speakers are amazing. Yeah. All the events are amazing. But the real value I got, I made like 30 amazing friends when yeah. I was there this week. And we had so much fun. You know, we, we did jet skiing or, you know, zip lining or, or scuba diving or parties and, and the parties. We started as a conference where it was basically you come and hear speakers. And that's not becoming the main goal of our conference as much anymore. Like there's going to be parties, concerts, a lot of musical stuff. We haven't announced any of it yet, but big name music people coming this year. Yeah. We had Wu-Tang, uh, members of the Wu-Tang Clan really? contacted wow. me last last year, like wow. two weeks before the conference, they said, hey, man, we, we're into crypto anarchy. We want to come down there and learn about it. I was like, come down. And so we didn't even announce it, and they just performed. And, and we're yeah. going to do things like that this year, but a number of uh, big-name artists. So, you know, the artists, too, like, uh, you know, most artists, especially rappers, they're all anarchists. You, yeah. you never hear a song like, uh, well, F the police, right? Like, that's yeah. how anarchist is that? <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah, know? Yeah. You, know, you never hear a song like, I love the government, I love the president. If they talk about presidents, they talk about dead presidents, right? The money. Yeah. So they're basically anarcho-capitalist. So, so really, like what our conference, what we're about, uh, really resonates with a lot of the uh, the musical type people. So they're very happy to come down and be a part of it as well. So you know, it just all kind of uh, wraps into one sort of thing. But it, as you pointed out, it's 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 the the social, the non-conference stuff, the the non-speaking areas have become bigger than the actual conference speaking uh, parts of the conference now. Yeah. So, so how long the 2019, like how many days is it going to run from start to finish then? How, how big is it going to be? The official dates of Anarchapoku is February 14th to 17th. And of course, February 14th is Valentine's Day. And uh, yeah. I think that's because really what that's what anarchy is all about is love. It's, it's about not uh, wanting to hurt or own other people. Uh, so that's four full days. And uh, we're running Cryptopoku throughout the, uh, the four days on its own stage. We also have, we actually have four other stages, health and wellness stage, uh, numerous other a family camp stage. So anyone who's wants to bring their family, I already heard there's at least 50 families like bringing their, their young yeah, kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to come definitely with the family. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We've got it all set up so that the entire week you've got stuff to do and learn and, uh, you know, get involved. In. And really, as anarchists, we sort of look at children as being just another individual. They're really small and they're really brand new and they're really cute. Yeah. But you know, a lot of sort of old type thinkers or status thinkers think of kids as their property and they will like hit them and tell them what to do and stuff like that. Whereas we don't. So you're going to see like eight year old kids running around yeah. just like there'll be there'll be a bar. They'll be in the bar. We don't care. Yeah. They uh, Hopefully they won't be drinking. I definitely advise them not to, but I won't force them not to if they want to. But yeah. I've never met a kid who wants to have a beer. <laughs> uh, okay. you know, uh, kids but, never uh, like the taste of beer. It's no, they, they think it's gross. <laughs> yeah, they don't get it at all. I, my, I have two kids and I've yeah. let them. They go, Papa, what, why do you drink wine and beer and all that? And I'm like, well, you, you get an adult and sometimes you just don't mind having a few of them. Yeah. And I'm like, do you want to try it? And they're like, okay. And, you know, eight years old and just even the smell of it, they can't even get near it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty gross. I actually advise you not to drink it. It's not that good for you. But yeah. uh, you make your own decisions, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you asked me a question. Oh, about all the days. Yeah. So yeah. there's um, two days before is uh, I have my own, the Dollar Vigilante Summit, uh, February 12th and 13th. With all, It's all very f financial and investment focused. Uh, we also have a number of workshops. Uh, Larkin Rose is very well known. He does Candles in the Dark, and that's two days of helping people to uh, convert, <laughs> sort of using like religious terms here. Yeah. Uh, but really we're talking about people who are actually in a religion. Statism is a religion. It's a belief. Uh, it's not an actual real thing. So we have to learn how to deprogram them or convert them to 
figuring out they were brainwashed. So that's what Larkin Rose does. Yep. Uh, Mark Passio is another famous guy. He's going to have a one-day workshop. Uh, afterwards, actually, this is really cool. Uh, there's something called the Infinite Man Summit, which is another great event. If you don't know Sasha, uh, you should have him on your show because yep. he just started that a couple years I've ago. Seen him. And Sasha Day Game, yeah, he does some really yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just grown his Infinite Man Summit incredibly, and I've attended the last few. And it's usually about a few hundred, and it's all guys, uh, usually younger guys who want to learn how to get better at everything. Yep. Man, I have to get uh, hats off to Sasha. Like every single guy I've ever met who's attended is gone. That changed my life. I'm a new person after that. I feel so much better. I feel ready to take on the world um, and that sort of a thing. They just had a, a mind-blowing experience. So that's actually going to – Sasha said, well, if we're having a Narcopoco, I'm going to do the Infinite Man Summit right after. So it will be February 18th and 19th. Um, so – a lot of people come before the conference and stay after the conference, and yeah. there's so many events. If you want to go to them, you can check them out, and so many uh, mind-blowing sort of uh, events that you can attend. So it's all basically I recommend if you can. You know, a lot of people have regular jobs and they have to, you know, they only get a week off or whatever. But if you can come uh, days before and stay days after, there's non-stop events the entire time. Interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's fascinating. Look, Jeff, I know you, you know you're a busy guy. That was a really, really amazing conversation loads i mean loads of value bombs you dropped so i really want to thank you got a couple of quick closing questions i'm fascinated for your opinion um as we record this it's end of november 2018 crypto's kind of all kind of down especially this week what what's your outlook kind of for, for near term because i know you've, you you know a lot about this topic near term and long term what what do you think is going to happen generally i mean you know you can talk about specific coins if you want or just a general crypto market sure yeah i was basically the first financial person i've been involved in the finance markets since stockhouse.com in the 90s i was the first sort of major person who covered cryptocurrencies i started covering bitcoin and recommending it at three in 2011. Yeah. So I recommended Ethereum at $2. Uh, you know, I could go on and on. Uh, so I've got that kind of background. And when Bitcoin hit 20,000 last year, about uh, almost a year ago, um, I came out and I said, it's time to take profits. This is the yep. peak. It's gone way too high. Yep. It's going to have to have a major retracement now. And we still to this day have not recommended people get in heavy into the crypto. So we actually had a price target of 3,500 to 4,500 on Bitcoin. And as of today, we're very close to 4,500. So yep. we're very close to the bottom. Now it could go lower. 3,500 was kind of our lower end. It could even go below 3,500, depending on a number of factors. However, Given that it came from 20,000, you know, if you buy now around 4,500, it goes to 3,500. Yes, you're going to lose about 25% yep. right there. So don't be buying. If you want to buy, let's say you have $10,000, you want to buy Bitcoin with it. Don't buy $10,000 today, but yep. buy a few thousand dollars today because this could be close to the bottom. Yep. You can never time the bottom exactly. It's impossible. Uh, so you kind of want to just average into it. But but you're much better off now than you were eight months ago or nine or 10 months ago. Yep. Uh, but be aware that there could be still some downside. Once we hit that sort of bottom, there's a number of events that I won't go into too much detail here, but you can get at our newsletter at dollarvigilante.com slash subscribe. Yep. And uh, a number of events that I think early next year we will see the next major bull market in the cryptos. So, uh, yeah, it's been a tough year for the cryptos. We expected it to be a tough year. Yep. Uh, we prepared all our subscribers for it. And uh, for those wondering when it's going to turn around, uh, it's probably in the next few months. Uh, it could be as long as maybe another six months, but I have a feeling – February, January, February, March, it starts to turn around. Cool. And Jeff, final question. I'm, I'm really fascinated because you mentioned before that you actually had a career as a rapper in Canada. So I'm curious, tell, tell us about your rap background because that, that's fascinating to me. I, I saw you rapping on, you did a video about Bitcoin with a few guys all the way up, I think, which, uh, which is pretty good. But what, what, what was your rap background? 
Well, as a young guy, uh, just out of high school, rap music had just come out. I was yeah. uh, I graduated high school in 1988, and so I graduated. I got my badge of obedience, and uh, <laughs> and so around 1984, I heard about rap music. I think it was Run DMC and Grandmaster yeah. Flash, and I was like. I, I like new things. I guess that's one thing about me. I'm just always on like the edge of whatever's new. And uh, I was heavily into heavy metal. I was like Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, all this kind of stuff, yeah. ACDC, Judas Priest. And I had the long hair and the they called us bangers back then. Yeah, I was yeah. a banger. And uh, as soon as I heard rap music, I shaved my head. I put on the Adidas <laughs> with no uh, shoelaces. I got a big fake gold woman's belt and wore it around my my yeah. neck. Uh, and uh, and this is in in northern Canada, uh, where there's no black people whatsoever, right. and is very everyone was a banger and into hockey. And I'm dressed like a rapper, and I'm into rap, and uh, I got beat up quite a bit, and that sort of thing. But I, I became a, I was like, well, there's not that much rap out there that's that good, and I, I started doing my own rap, and I actually did a couple tracks that I'm still fairly proud of for yeah. the lyrical content. Uh, but the, I was not a good rapper. My voice wasn't that great. The way I did it wasn't that great. Uh, and I also made all my own music. And my music, it was okay, but it wasn't good enough. So yeah. it actually, it was Tom Woods, the actor, who made me quit rapping because he right. was – the number one white rapper in Canada with his group called Organized Rhyme and right. their track, Check the OR, You Like It So Far. And when I heard that track, I was like, man, I'm not even the best white rapper in Canada. <laughs> you know, like, I should just quit. So I yeah. quit because of that. And uh, it's a funny story. About 20 years later, I'm doing what I'm doing with Bitcoin and all that. And I just had the idea. I'm like, I should do a rap. You know, I haven't rapped in 20 years and came up with Bitcoin all the way up and has, I don't know, half a million views or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so that. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a fun thing. And I put out another track after that. I actually do want to do a couple more serious. Those were just fun, just so people know. Like I was just having fun. I, I wrote the Bitcoin rap in about five minutes, and uh, which a lot of rappers say they do. It all just kind of comes to you all at once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I actually have been writing some stuff that I consider fairly decent uh, lyrics. Uh, so I might do a couple rap tracks next year and just see so how it goes. We could see a return, a return to the stage on Anacapulco 2019 then. Is it, Jeff? It's a teaser. You heard it here first. Could be happening. <laughs> Jeff, real, real pleasure. Th thanks for talking. Everyone should check out anarchapulco.com, Dollar Vigilante. Anywhere else people can find you online? I think those are the two big ones. I do have my show, Anarchast, if you want to hear more about the philosophy of anarchy. But for anyone into events, I would say this. If you have the ability to come to Anarchapulco, you should come because we're going to do so many things that no one's ever done before. And you'll be able to see the response. And you know maybe you can take some of that information back and use it in your own events. Fantastic, Jeff. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? EventsFrame event ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 